Welcome to Welcome to Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 21 of Charmed. Look who's barking. How is this episode not terrible? This episode is so much better than I thought it was going to be, or than I remembered it being. Okay, and the thing is, we're coming off two episodes which should be like our favorite episodes of Charmed. They're coal-focused, they're very obviously ripping off Buffy, and they they both sucked. This is the perversity of Charmed, right? Those episodes, I should have loved them, and I hated them. And this episode, the episode where Prue gets turned into a dog... So they can fight banshees? Okay, 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 okay. So we did something that we don't normally do for this show, but we need to start doing this. We watched the preview for this episode. We did. We watched the trailer. Yep, yep. And we also watched the preview for the previous episode. And the thing that I found interesting about both of those trailers is that the A-plot is not mentioned in either one of them. They didn't mention banshees at all all in the network trailer yeah all about prue getting turned into a dog which happens but it's actually kind of a minor plot thing right like this episode is really about phoebe and cole's relationship but not in a way that is really irritating like the last couple episodes it's about like the emotional fallout of a breakup but the preview for the last episode too it it was all about uh uh-oh whoa piper's got a wacky new power they didn't even mention coal it was a coal centric episode oh my god and then they played prue getting crushed by the bookshelf for laughs what was that even about to be fair that moment really landed comedically in the trailer it did it was really funny it's like you know those youtube videos where people like recut mary poppins as a horror movie yeah or like the shining as a as a domestic comedy about a guy learning about his kid. Yeah, those were really, really popular in, like, 2007. It's like they did that, except your job is to actually promote the show, not not do that. Yeah, did they think that, uh, did they think that this would sell better as, like, a comedy? Because I remember a lot of the previews for Charmed episodes skewing comedic. I guess. I... I honestly, I have no idea what the thought process was. But, I mean, whatever. This episode's awesome. I, I do want to keep watching the previews to see if they keep skewing comedic. I love the fact that they don't mention the A-plot at all. It's all of the dog puns in this episode. It's like they just took all of the dog, not even puns, wordplay, trying to talk around calling Shannon Doherty a bitch because the, that's a lot of... A lot of the dog stuff this episode is. Uh... Yeah, yeah. And this is the penultimate episode of season three. Prue dies next episode. Yeah. Like. But they didn't know she was going to die next episode. No, but like. I mean, I, I have to assume they didn't. Otherwise, it was really mean of them to let Shannon Doherty direct. <laughs> so, huh, she did the last season too, didn't she? The last season, season finale. Or no, did, no, wait, did she do the French Stewart Genie? Was that the one that she was directing? She, I'm pretty sure she did the French Stewart Genie. Yeah. Wait, that was the season finale. Yeah, but it wasn't last season, season finale. It was the season. Yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, because remember they have the, the penultimate episode in season two is the one where they fight the horsemen of the apocalypse, which one would think would be a season finale sort of thing. But no, French Stewart Genie. But Shannon Doherty directed, which she also died in. I mean, 
was French Stewart a hot property? I have to assume he was because we watched the trailer for that one too, and they were like, "It's Third Rock from the Sun's French Stewart." Whoa! So this episode of Charmed. This episode opens with, I I don't want to call it a running gag, but it's I have of, been waiting for this part so long. I love this runner. Phoebe is adding to the Book of Shadows, not mystically, as we kind of assumed usually works with the Charmed Ones. I mean... Well, the book magically grows as they add things to it. So I like to think that it magically created a blank page for for Phoebe to scrapbook her breakup with Cole, which is what she's doing. I really wish we got more of the workings of the Book of Shadows. I know it wouldn't be consistent because Charmed is not great with continuity. Mm-hmm. But the whole the book grows as their powers do, like... Is it just adding blank pages so there are more spaces to write things? Or, like, we saw the, their mom adding to it from beyond the grave. Do they actually have to physically write stuff in it like Phoebe is doing as she posts photo booth pictures of her and Cole? I, I know this is this is a silly thing, but also, since they didn't depower Cole, and I guess they're not planning on killing him, maybe it is a good idea to have some, like, pictures of Cole's human form you know, in the Book of Shadows. I guess. I mean, it. honestly, I, I really love this because Phoebe's, Phoebe's, like, poor early 2000s handwriting and... Uh, she's doing it like a dating profile. She's like, these are the things to beware about Cole. He likes long walks on the beach. He likes listening to jazz, which, okay, yeah, Cole likes listening to jazz. You and Cole were listening to jazz, Phoebe. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did go to a flamingo club that one time, but that's not jazz, Phoebe. It's like whenever Piper talks about how she wants a guy who'll go on, like, early morning bike rides with her, and it's like, okay, we know who Piper is. That is not who Piper is. Right? Oh, yeah, so she's... I. I, I I love the page because it's so ridiculous. But yes, she's putting it opposite the Balthazar page. It's like, Cole's human form. There's a... They, well, first of all, there, it's the photo booth picture of her and, you know, Cole just goofing off in a photo booth together. And then there's this picture of Cole that's like a school picture. And it's staged like a school picture where he's smiling and leaning on his fist. I was thinking of it as like a Facebook profile picture, even though this is pre-Facebook. All right. All right. Okay, so they hear an explosion from the basement, and, oh, it's Piper testing out her new powers by blowing up the Christmas decorations. I mean... Of which they have so many. I don't think she's intentionally blowing up the Christmas decorations. I think this is, like, when Prue got the empathy power and she, like, just sealed herself in the basement, which, you guys know the Nexus is down there, right? They do all of this stuff right over the Nexus that I feel like is a bad idea. Well, I mean, isn't the Nexus one of the sources of their power? It is. I mean, I guess the bigger thing is that the Woogie is down there. Because they didn't vanquish it. They just kind of stuck it in the Nexus. Yeah, but now they remember the chant to get rid of it, so it's okay. So the the, the banishment chant for the Wookiee just kind of crams it back in the Nexus then. Yeah. I feel like you should t- you should make the effort to full-on vanquish the Wookiee, but... Well, I mean, they said, what is it, you shall not hurt this Hallowell? Or you shall not harm this Hallowell? Have, I think. Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, they already protected themselves, and that, I don't know what more you expect from them. 
it's odd to me that the Nexus is not used as a plot device in more, like, regular episodes. Like, you know, Prue was developing photos down there at one point, and maybe the magic from the Nexus made the photos come to life or something. Like, it, it seems like that's the sort of thing that should happen more around the Nexus. I feel like whatever. you want the Nexus to be the Hellmouth, but it's really not. No, I know, it's just a center of mystical convergence. Yeah, it's just really lines intersect. But, like, it... it I don't want to say it's a source of their power, like, because they'd probably be the charmed ones even if they weren't over the house. Like they a, would be, but they, like, draw power from it. Although never in a way that seems to actually help them. Eh. Put up wards in your house. I know we have to stop harping on that, but that's going to get worse as time gets on. All demons know where the charmed ones live. Do you remember in Fuller House when they made it a running joke where people would knock on the door and they would just shout, It's always open! That's that's the Hallowell sisters to demons. Come in, it's always open. God. Well, I mean, if they didn't keep the door open for demons, how would they find boyfriends? Ugh. Maybe they have so many Christmas decorations because it like seals the woogie down. You know, these are Yeah, like... the woogie's like trying to get out and then it sees this really tacky plastic uh Santa and it's like oof, oof. Well, it's like the uh, disinviting vampires uh, spell in Buffy, how that, you know, you hang crosses on the wall and you do the little, maybe, maybe just any sign of Christmas is enough to bind the woogie. I like to think it's tacky Christmas decorations, because these are tacky Christmas decorations. I mean, this is before the era of like giant inflatables for your yard, but th that plastic candy cane is ugly. Yeah, not a fan of that, by the way inflatables oh no they're really tacky looking like do lights everyone likes lights they're pretty i mean i guess the big thing with them is i was gonna say electricity but inflatables probably also take up a lot of electricity no right? i think the thing with inflatables is that they're easy no i know i i, I know it's it, it's they're easy but like lights are hard you have to like gut up there and hang them up i'm just like I guess do whatever you want. It yeah, just, I mean, do what makes you happy. We, we're we're yeah. I I don't know. I feel like if you're decorating, you should full on decorate. But you know, do whatever. We're not judging. I mean, I mean a little bit, but whatever. We're doing a charmed podcast. You can judge us all you want. Right, right. Okay, so speaking of judging, mm -hmm. when they're checking out the basement, all of a sudden they hear all of this barking, and they say. Who let the dogs out? Mm, I think I know our time freeze for this episode. Yeah, I think that's going to be my time freeze. So, Prue and Phoebe tell Piper that she can't live in a basement. She has a club that she needs to run and two sisters that need her to pay all the electrical bills because of that one time when she left for a month and the house lost all of its electricity. And they need her to cook for them. And they need her to fight demons. And Kit Watch 2022? What? Okay, okay. I know every time Kit shows up, I'm like, I thought that this, you know, I thought that it was the, that the last time was the last time. I can't imagine Kit makes it out of season three. Like, mm. I mean, I know we have that one follow-up episode where it turns out that she got turned human because she did such a good job as the Charmed One's familiar, but... I think Shax blew a hole in the wall and Kit ran away and then we don't see Kit anymore. Mm. I, I don't feel like we see Kit in the page seasons until... Until that one episode with Kit. We'll see. 
We'll see. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not going to count Kit out anymore. Yeah, because she keeps showing up. We keep thinking that she's gone and then she shows up. So she basically just runs across the kitchen because there are all these dogs barking. Mm. And then we see Ed Asner from Up flipping through a photo book, looking at sad pictures of his dead wife. I mean, he... we can extrapolate from context. Yes, and meanwhile, his little pug dog is losing its fucking mind. Cause and and not and not just because pugs are an abomination that prove how evil humans are because we bred them to be like yeah my, my... horrifying creatures who can't even breathe because their noses are all squished into their face my ex-roommate worked at an animal shelter and she had this habit of uh bringing unadoptable dogs home which was nice of her except then i would end up taking care of them which i did not love and one of them was a pug which I would walk her other dog. I would walk her boxer because her boxer was capable of walking. I tried walking the pug a few times, but it physically couldn't move that far. It was like, a little potato. Like, even by pug standards, that dog was... Oof. It had some serious issues. And, like, I felt bad I couldn't do more to help it out. Because, like, I could walk the other dog and let the other dog, you know... I mean, it's not your fault. You didn't interbreed these dogs for generations. But... Damn, that dog was... That was an inbred dog. Yeah, that dog had a lot of issues. Anyway, speaking of issues, uh, Banshee flies through the window and, like, sucks out the energy out of Ed Asner. Well, it screams in the old man's face until he dies, and it's a pretty brutal death for Charmed. Like, it's it's not, like, super graphic, but he covers his, uh, his face with his hands as the Banshee screams in his face, and then you just see blood pouring through his fingers, which... Is pretty graphic for Charmed, as we uh, discussed last episode. Basically, most demon kills in Charmed are an energy ball hits someone, they turn into a pillar of fire, and then vanish forever. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this isn't this isn't a demon kill, right? This is a demon killing a human. But yeah, she melts his face like the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, no. I mean, when demons kill humans. Oh, oh, okay. Because remember, I guess witches count as humans. Remember last episode when they saw scorch marks in that magic shop and they're like, oh, I guess that witch is dead. Oh, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we get a ton of it later, but it, this might be one of the last gasps of, like, the kind of brutal charm stuff. Remember when they fought that Alcatraz ghost and part of vanquishing him was pouring acid on his grave? Oh, yeah. And then it was, like, burning his skin off? Like, I don't want to say it's a Constance and Burge thing because I think she was pretty out at this point mm -hmm. but the banshee deaths are the Ban banshee's method of killing is pretty brutal for charmed yeah so we get some but not a ton establishing shots of san francisco it's the next morning and phoebe is still writing in the goddamn book of shadows i mean how much did you know about cole how much do you have to say about cole and Prue's like, so you're still writing in the Book of Shadows. Piper's still in the basement. And Phoebe's like, oh, no, no, she's locked in her bedroom now. And Prue's like, I guess at least one of you is making progress. And then she starts putting her nose out for trouble. Okay, okay. So 
crew notices in the newspaper that there is an article about all the dogs barking the night before. I mean, this is like literally a dog bites man story. What is going on at the San Francisco Chronicle? I love that that's like a front page story and then she flips a few pages in and it's like also man brutally murdered in own home mysteriously it's a locked door mystery we have no idea what happened is it a locked door mystery she burst in through the window yeah windows not a door the door was still locked <laughs> but uh phoebe's like stop trying to distract me with demons prue oh my god a premonition <laughs> yeah she has a premonition of a teenage runaway being attacked by what we know to be a banshee they don't know that but we know to be a banshee and she's like, oh my god, I can't believe Cole is killing random people. And Prue's like, this is in no way Cole, Cole's MO, though. Like, these are mysterious, screaming-based deaths. And she's like, I was touching the Cole page, therefore, this premonition is Cole. Even though I feel like your premonitions have been kind of... I, I don't feel like your premonitions always are that logical as yeah. far as what sets them off, so... I mean, obviously, the point is that she's fixated on Cole. She immediately runs into the living room and turns the table, the dining room table, on its side to be, like, a thing that they can hide behind. And is like, all right, let's summon Cole. Let's summon him and vanquish him. So, this is going to be a, a runner for the rest of Cole's time on the show, especially post his time in Super Hell. Mm-hmm. Blaming him for stuff that's very clearly, you know not his fault right but they flip the table over they get ready to summon cole and prue's like but phoebe what if the vanquishing potion doesn't work why would it not work oh that's your problem let me tell you my problem okay and <laughs> sorry i came in real hot didn't i no let me tell you my problem though and this i feel like argues towards the book not being magically generated and i hate it so much here is the organization of the book mm -hmm. new page blank page that may have just materialized where phoebe is writing about cole okay facing page the balthazar page okay mm -hmm. turn the page now on the next page you have the bits about the banshees mm-hmm and then you turn the page and you have the spell to summon Balthazar. And then next to that, for no reason, you have like how to use magic to raise children or whatever. Like what to do if you have a magical child. The place of magic for the raising of a child. Huh. Hang on. Let's just read that whole page. A child is the frailest and most innocent of all innocents. It is therefore unlawful and unnatural to use magic to change what is in the nature of a child. Okay. Clearly Grams didn't read that page. Before casting a spell that affects a child, the witch must ask herself, am I doing this for the child or am I doing this for myself? For the witch who is bothered by the noise of a child and would seek to use magic to bring forth peace and quiet, this tome can only say one thing. Sometimes a baby just has to cry. That was in the episode with the ghost child. Oh, was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the episode where the charmed ones have to protect a child, uh, the baby from a ghost, that's in there when uh, they can't stop him from crying and they're looking in the book oh 
I remember that one phrase, not the rest of it. Sometimes a baby just has to cry. Yeah. Okay, also, the uh, marginalia on this is a a fairy with antennae hmm. waving a wand. I don't know what was going on with whoever was illustrating that. Because only children can see fairies, I guess. I mean, that's true, but that's not really what this is about. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone just felt like doodling after writing that. I mean, I guess that's what all marginalia is, right? That's why you have all of those pictures of penises drawn that monks drew in the corners of books yeah yeah hmm. so uh, I think but it... my point is yes my point is why is there a random page about banshees in between who balthazar is and how to summon him yeah who organized this book like it would make sense if it was on the other side of the balthazar page because you know alphabetically even though we know that's not how the book works yeah. I no, I think I think maybe Grams has control over what's where in the book and she's just messing with Phoebe. Oh. Or maybe she's trying to help, right? Because she knew that Phoebe would be hanging out on the Balthazar page all mm. day long, so she stuck the banshee bit in the middle there. Mm. Maybe she sent the banshee to town too. It's, it's not... a very Grams thing to do. Honestly, given what we learned about Grams's history later on in the series, I'm surprised she didn't become a banshee. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or one of those sirens. Or, yeah. Or not... Were they sirens? Or was it a siren? Because I feel like we get an actual siren later in the show. The thing that in the episode where Prue got Wait. turned into a dude. Oh, I thought you meant because uh, in a later episode, don't we get... Don't we get Piper turned into a harpy in a later episode? She gets turned into a fury in a later episode. Fury, Okay. But there's a later episode where uh, Siren uh, controls Cole and tries to get him to kill Phoebe. But I was talking about the, uh, in the video dating episode, the, mm -hmm. the thing, the succubus, I guess. Oh, right, right. Those are also witches. Yeah, they're former witches that, uh. You know, I have to say, for a show that has kind of, wait, let me back up. Okay. So, you know how we've all kind of acknowledged that what Joss Whedon was doing was not feminism? Like, before we had Buffy, we, we didn't have Buffy. It, was, it, it felt good to have Buffy. Yeah. Like, I'm still going to get my scythe tattoo with the banner that says, you know, from now on, everyone who might be a slayer will be a slayer. Yeah. Like, I'm still getting that tattoo. I still love Buffy. I still feel empowered by her, but we all know that it was really a fetishization thing going on on Joss's part. Yeah, it's just having to line up. Right. Know? It was close enough to feminism at the time. Honestly, it's very similar to Wonder Woman, where it's like, Wonder Woman is like a strong, powerful woman who Masterson wanted to step on him. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... I mean, Golden Age Wonder Woman has a lot of racism issues, which I feel like tend to get overlooked. But for the most part, it's a lot of stuff that, it's a lot of fetish stuff. It's not, not, it's not, it's not subtle. It's yeah. not subtle at all. There's lots of, lots of spanking, lots of getting tied up, lots of society would be better if really strong muscle ladies flew in from a magic island and tied everyone up. Mm -hmm. Lots of like master talk. It's interesting. It's. It's revealing. It's revealing. 
but what? And his wife and girlfriend, girlfriend like they basically co-wrote those stories with him they don't get credit for it but of course but there was a strong it was a very femdom heavy household mm-hmm. there's a whole movie about it you can watch i'm aware but my point was even by those standards i mean this is definitely way more fetishy than empowering if we're on like an empowering to fetishy spectrum Oh, you're talking about all of these women getting turned into things? But I'm saying even even by those standards, the idea that if you don't perfectly control your emotions as a witch, you're going to turn into one of these various types of monsters is a very misogynistic idea. I mean, I guess that's not... It's not groundbreaking, but here we are. Yeah. And, I mean... Oh, no, I feel bad because I was like... If Brad Kern was gay, we'd probably get a lot more, you know, if white lighters lose their whatever, then they turn into, I don't know, leather daddies or something. And I was like, you know what? You know what? I think Charmed might have been more interesting if Brad Kern was gay. I'm not saying good, but it probably would have been more Ryan murphy I was just going to say, wouldn't it just be Ryan Murphy? You saw that thing, right? It would just be American Horror Story Coven. You saw that thing, right, where uh, there was that, like, giant grid panel thing of all of the Ryan Murphy protagonists, and it's like, huh, I wonder if Ryan Murphy likes tall, chiseled brunette men with blue eyes. Hmm. Just a... (laughs) Interesting. So, uh, back in Charmed. Yeah, we, we went so we, far off. That was quite a tangent. Uh, but yes, Phoebe and Prue are going to summon Balthazar and um, vanquish him. And Balthazar is down in his crypt just lighting all his candles. He's got like 20 candles and he's lighting them all. Yeah, he's doing some sort of evil ceremony. Woo! But he gets pulled away from his evil ceremony as, you know, Prue and Phoebe try to summon him. He he Tasmanian devils into the front hallway, but then he pulls himself back. Yep, yep. He hits he hits decline on Phoebe's summoning, which does not please her. Or him. He like gets really pissed off at like he, he just spent all this time lighting all these candles, and he, like, swipes them all off his altar. I guess, though, I mean, the summoning probably interrupted the spell in, a, in whatever way, so he probably has to start all over and light all those candles again anyway. So Phoebe's really honked off that the summoning didn't work, and Prue's like, maybe it wasn't coal. Like, maybe it was something else, and we should try to look for the victim. And Phoebe's like, why bother looking for the victim when it's obviously Cole, when we can just cut this problem off at the head? And Prue's like, okay, but in case it's not Cole, why don't we look for the girl anyway? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or rather, we don't need to summon Cole if we find the girl Cole is going to attack, since Phoebe's being super rational right now. Right. Prue's like, why don't we use one of the other hundreds of ways we have to locate people? 
Meanwhile, Piper's up in her room trying to meditate, listening to... This is so... This is so time freeze. She's listening to, like, a meditation tape on her boombox. And also, this feels 90s to me. She's got a room divider next to her bed that is just made out of wire and thus divides nothing, but it has, like, a moon and stars on it. Yeah, yeah, I... It's in the center of a bunch of shots, and I thought it was going to be important, but it's not. Nothing happens with it. No, I think it's just, like, something you pick up at a Pottery Barn or Pier 1. Anyway, Leo orbs in, and Piper freaks out and accidentally blows up the boombox, and then she's like, Leo, don't do that! And he's like, what? It's my house, too! And it's like, do you want to get blown up or not, Leo? Jesus Christ! You can't just sneak up on people when they're trying to control their exploding powers! This is a reference to an earlier episode where they set up house rules for Leo, and one of them was, like, not orbing all willy-nilly, although Phoebe tore them up at the end of the episode. But also, whatever, if she blows up Leo. But she doesn't know that yet. It's true, she doesn't know that yet. In fact, this is the episode, I think, where we learn that she can blow him up and everything's fine. So, Prue and Phoebe go to the crime scene to see if they can figure out, you know, what kind of demon it is that attacked the old man. And this is the one time that Daryl is not the cop, you know, at the crime scene. And it's a murder. Like, Daryl is a homicide cop who's constantly being sent out whenever a window gets broken or, you know, someone steals a feather from a museum. I mean, I think he was off filming Baywatch Nights. They do reference him, though. They're like, yeah, didn't Inspector Morris say we were going to stop by and just, like, go through all of your evidence without wearing gloves or those little booty things you're supposed to wear? And he's like, oh, you work with him. Are you, like, psychics? And Phoebe's like, psychics, that's ridiculous. Hey, Phoebe, remember when you were pitching being a police psychic as a way to help Daryl solve magic crimes and, you know, without having to explain who you were all the time? Okay, see, this is why I like the USA TV show Psych. Mm -hmm. Because, like, just say you're a psychic and move on. Oh, my God. Which is what Sean does and is thus the plot of Psych. So... I didn't see a ton of Medium. My, my folks used to watch it. I haven't seen a single second of it. Go on. Well, whenever whenever I was, you know, visiting. Yeah, that's the kind of show you watch when you're visiting your parents. Absolutely. Yeah, that and Bones. But, uh, like, it, it felt like every episode of Medium, she'd have to convince the police captain to let her, you know. Media? And I'm like, you're like six seasons deep into this show at this point. Either let her do the crime scene stuff or don't like yeah yeah don't be like oh you have you've helped us solve you know 20 crimes every season for the past several seasons but i don't know if i trust your you know crazy powers so i'm gonna say about psych uh just for our listeners who haven't watched the show that the plot of psych is that he is just super observant like practically supernatural levels of observant it's a it's a sherlock Holmes show right so he can like sherlock things out but then the cops are like how can you always know what's going on are you actually the murderer and he's like no i'm just psychic and then he pretends to have psychic visions and then there's this thing where as it goes on it's like oh i'm lying to these people and pretending to be psychic but i'm like i mean are you though you're saying you're a psychic is that really a lie? If someone's willing to believe that you're a psychic, is that really a lie? Or is that just on them? 
for mean, believing it. I tried watching it a couple of times, and I found the main character viscerally annoying to the point that the show was unwatchable. Sean, actually, yeah. love the show. I've seen all of it. I, how Sean was so grating. Mm-hmm. I he, liked it. He's like the class clown that you just wanted to shut up so you could talk about grapes of wrath or whatever. And he was just making armpit fart noises for 40 minutes. It's a whole show about that guy. I think I think you have to identify with and love Gus to really get into psych. The guy whose job is being annoyed with Sean? Yeah. I don't know. I just... I don't want to spend my free time... You know, I was going to say I don't want to spend my free time watching characters I would not want to spend time with socially, but that's blatantly not true. Right? I mean, you know who would be terrible to be in a room with? The evil queen from Once Upon a Time. Bite your tongue. You would die. I love Regina, but she kills so many people for no reason. (sighs) Flawless goddess that she is. It would be an honor. No, I was going to say any of the friends. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god. Now I'm just thinking about poor Jill Goodacre in the episode where she's trapped in the ATM vestibule with Chandler. (laughs) That's the stuff of nightmares. The one where Jill Goodacre thinks she's going to be murdered. (laughs) I know! Like, it's supposed to be cute how nervous he is, but I'm like, that girl thinks that she is going to die tonight. I mean, it's it's that one episode of Happy Endings where Penny meets Pete's non-sitcom friends. Mm. And... She's, like, completely mystified by the fact that these people just solve problems by talking to each other and being straightforward about things. Nobody brought a pig to a car dealership to make a point about gender roles? Oh, that's a good show. It was a good show. There's there's a lot of stuff that didn't age well. Yeah, there are, there are some things where I'm like, I can't wholeheartedly recommend this show because... It, it, it's it's like how slap bet is the perfect episode of how i met your mother except there's one transphobic joke and you're like okay well now i can't recommend this to anyone yep that's exactly what it's like anyway cole is at evil therapy which i love i love that cole's at evil therapy yeah he's talking to his evil therapist about how phoebe's trying to vanquish him and the evil therapist is like maybe she's just still in love with you cole did you ever think about that? Humans are very forgiving. And Cole's like, look, I'm not interested in doing the human thing. I just want you to drain all the humanity out of me so I can just be a demon and be happy again. And the evil therapist is like, yeah, that's not how humanity works, bro. Okay, so we're joking calling him like an evil therapist, but we should acknowledge that he's actually named the alchemist because he takes cole's love and turns it into not love yeah that's what therapists do right yeah sure but he he's transmuting cole into a more pure demon form mm-hmm. you know so that he can't feel love or whatever but he's like look the flicker of humanity's flame or whatever is always going to burn in your chest a little bit like i can pump as much demon juice into you as i want but at the end of the day, if you want to be a demon, it's a choice you have to make. Nobody can force you to be a demon or a human. What? That's, that's an internal thing. I, I, I honestly, That's not the ethos of Charmed at all. I honestly really like this character. I don't really feel like he shows up ever again. I, I'm 
pretty sure that he does actually, but he doesn't get anything big to do. But this is the explanation as to why Cole is harder to kill now because he has shifted into a more pure demon form, but not mm-hmm. full Balthazar all the time. Just, you know, he he's he's being stripped of his humanity, except not really, as we see by the end of the episode. Yeah, he's basically he's basically. God, I can't even say it. But he's Lady Macbething it here, where he's having like the milk of human kindness drained from him. I mean, I'm not even in a theater, and it's still I'm I but I, my theater kid roots go strong. I still don't even like saying the name. Anyway, I definitely think that you're onto something about Graham's arranging the book like this because. Phoebe's just like, oh, it has to be Cole. It's the page I was touching. And then the pages flutter and Prue's like, wait, what about this on the other page? It says it kills someone exactly the way we saw someone killed and it makes dogs go crazy. I do like that Phoebe doesn't like double down on the Cole thing. She's like, oh, oh yeah, that's probably it then. Mm-hmm. So Piper comes downstairs and she's like, so I'm just going to try not to blow anything up. I, I realized I can't let this control my life, but don't get in the way of my hands. And they're like, okay, cool. We found a spell to track the Banshee, which is what we're hunting this week. I know you've been busy, but we're hunting a Banshee this week. No, there's no spell to vanquish it, just a spell to track it. So I, the plan is to track it and then figure it out. Well... They do have a go-to finisher move now, thanks to Piper. Mm, that's true. And it's not really a consistent thing throughout the rest of the show. Or, you know, the previous part of the... I don't know the rest of the show, too. But they've been fighting a lot of demons that they can just vanquish by stabbing with stuff recently. Mm, yeah. Like, I don't know why Cole's trying to be more pure demon. Like, the other demons in the Brotherhood of the Thorn were pure demons. And you could vanquish them by looking at them cross-eyed. Yeah. Yeah, Cole's a lot stronger than a lot of quote-unquote pure demons, which in a better show would be a point that they were making. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel... Not to pitch an entirely different show. I mean, that's kind of our jam. But again, I feel like having Cole's mother as a big bad would have been cool. Mm, Yes. And like having her realize that, you know, half human, half demon children are more powerful than pure demons. The Alphaba principle, if you will. Yes. And just have her trying to breed this army of half human, half demons. I mean, that's kind of, that's, it's very similar to the plot of Preacher. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... They do the spell to track the Banshee, and it turns Prue into a dog. What kind of dog is that? Is that an albino husky? Is that what we're looking at? I think it's an Akita. Okay, it's a very beautiful dog. And they do comment on what a beautiful dog Prue makes. They're like, wow, Prue's a super hot dog. (laughs) So, we know that when Prue becomes human at the end of the episode, she remembers what happened to her as a dog. But in dog form, she doesn't seem to have her human intelligence because she freaks out and goes and hides under the couch. No, I think she does have her human intelligence. She does react to what people are saying, not in the way a dog would. Like, Leo's like, Prue turned into a dog? Oh, that makes sense. She was always a straight-up bitch. <laughs> and, then he, and then, you know, Prue growls at him. And, mm-hmm. 
they, they they're acting like prue is embarrassed to be a dog and that's why she's hiding i think this was a good choice of dog breed it might be an albino husky it might be an akita i don't know dogs I, yeah i guess i don't either but you'd think that they would choose a black dog because of shannon doherty's hair mm-hmm. but choosing a dog that has like super blue eyes was a good choice yeah well and i think choosing a dog that's all white like this like is a good choice because it's so unusual looking like it's you know it's not so unusual that you're like oh that dog is clearly magical but it's unusual enough that it's striking yeah I said uh, Leo calls Peru a bitch. He doesn't. He says that she. He assumed that she would be a dog like a Doberman or something. Which Peru has never had an issue with you, Leo. You're not Cole. Like Peru's always been really cool with you. What's with this out of nowhere hostility towards Peru? She's one of your charges, dude. I mean, I guess he lets her die next episode. So yeah. I guess Leo had some, you know negative feelings towards prue he was processing out but yes prue gets turned into a dog so that she can track the banshee because everyone just forgot that scrying existed this week okay so phoebe points out that now that she's a dog and they have no vanquishing spell they also have no power of three spell now because prue is a dog also well, maybe she could just go like well they're, they're, well, they're they were able they were able to do a power of three spell when phoebe was a fetus so i feel like prue being a dog shouldn't be that big of a barrier no, that's what they should have done when they could when they had to fire shannon doherty they should have just brought the dog back just keep her a dog for like four seasons love it 100 percent would have watched it yeah. yes yeah when when shacks blew her through the wall it reverted her to dog form it was the only way they could save her. Was to turn her into a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so no, this is what I'm saying, though. She chases Kit around. Like. Well, you you didn't read uh, Animorphs, did you? No, I did not read Animorphs. So, there was a thing in Animorphs. The premise, for those of you who don't know, are that uh, there's a group of aliens invading the Earth, and a different set of aliens, like, the, there's a different alien that comes and gives these... I think five kids uh the ability to shapeshift in order to fight the aliens that are invading right they can shift into like any animal yeah any animal that they've absorbed the dna from by touching okay uh and luckily for them one of the kids parents runs an animal preserve which is helpful. oh that's that's convenient yes but when they shapeshift they have to fight against the natural instincts of the animal that they're turning into okay okay there's a there's a whole thing about how you you never do insects you never morph into insects because of uh or ants is the big one because they tried doing ants once and they all nearly lost their minds because they turned into drones and they were just overwhelmed by you know so i was just listening to pop arenas youtuber pop arenas goosebumps monthly episode about the goosebumps book why i'm afraid of bees yes where a kid gets turned into a bee and he kept comparing it unfavorably to the animorphs series and i so he actually did mention that thing about turning into insects and how yes yeah and i guess apparently there's there's a thing in animorphs where like a bee accidentally gets the power and turns into a human and loses its mind uh 
or an aunt, a bee or an aunt. I, I might have stopped reading the series from that point. I, I'm actually kind of surprised my parents let me read those books as a kid. I think they didn't know how aggressively violent they were. The covers are so, like cheesy looking the kids transforming into the animals but then everything i've heard about them it's like super dark well there's this one bit from one of the early books where one of the characters is having dinner with uh, with her parents mm-hmm. and her dad points out that she's got something stuck in her teeth and she realizes that it's part of the throat of a, it like she ripped out a guy's throat earlier when she was a wolf and she still has part of it stuck in her teeth You could buy these books at the Scholastic School Fair. It was Scholastic's big, like, big flagship title other than Goosebumps. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert for Animorphs. Is it okay to spoil it? The series ended, like, over 20 years ago. Yeah, I think we're past past the... It's a series that ends with all but one of the main characters dying. Yeah, and and doesn't that one main character who's still alive have, like massive trauma yeah i'm sorry uh two of the main characters live at the end uh one of them has massive trauma and the other one uh is a bird forever Oof. well and i mean that was the thing about hunger games too like the last hunger games book is no longer an adventure book it's just about katniss dealing with her ptsd kids books go hard sometimes i guess is what i'm saying yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i've mentioned on here before that when I started reading Christopher Pike's books, uh, those those horror books for kids, is when I stopped relating every single plot point of the book I was reading to my parents. And at the time, I was like, oh no, they're going to know how dark and inappropriate these books are because I'm not telling them every single thing that happens in the book I'm reading. But now as an adult i'm like they must have been so relieved they must have been like oh thank god i don't have to hear every plot point from babysitter's club anymore i think that i had a like little kid instinct where i i did tell my folks a lot about animorphs i'm sorry mom and dad if you were listening but i i did tell them a lot about animorphs but i, I think i was just like Rachel turns into a bear and Marco turns into a gorilla and here are all the dumb puns that they said and you know that they the series has like some comedic books mm-hmm. and like there's this one where they uh they break into area 51 okay because they think there's a piece of like the good aliens technology that they can use but there's no alien stuff at area 51 no there is there is one thing that they recovered from the good alien ship. Oh no, what is it? It's a toilet. Oh god, that's terrible. But the thing is, like, it's the punchline at the end of the book, because they spend all of this time trying to break into, you know, this, and it, it is one of the more comedic things throughout the whole thing. There's a thing where they get captured by, like, the government aid, like, the government guy who's running the base, and they give, uh, <laughs> they give fake names and fake phone numbers okay and uh like they're they're saying like one of them gave his name is like fox Mulder, and one of them is mm-hmm. cindy crawford and uh and then the the fake phone numbers they give like it's like eight six seven five three oh nine well one of them's like i gave him the number for pizza hut it's the only thing that came to my mind and one of them's like i just gave him uh two three four five six seven and one of the other kids is like that's not even enough numbers 
I don't know. It's a it's a fun series, but it, it other also, other than the massive trauma. Yeah, like it's also totally all over the place. There there's a bit later on where they uh, they end up getting a different alien race to just pretend to be them all the time, so that they like. And a lot of it is like, a lot of it is just them dealing with massive trauma. Like it's fun adventure stuff kind of at the beginning, but then it's like. They kind of have to murder a lot of people, and... I mean, it's kids being used as a proxy to fight an alien war, right? Like... Yeah, and apparently, I didn't make it this far into the series, but apparently in one of the later books, like, the human government finds out about it. Ooh. And they, and they're like, why didn't you tell us earlier? You're literal children, why were you dealing with this by yourselves? And, like... And they reach out to the good aliens, the good aliens who mm-hmm. also have their own issues, right. which the series kind of deals with because they're kind of colonizers. And one of the ways Earth kind of gets around the Yurk invasion is by being like, "Okay, we will be an outreach planet for." Right, right. But uh, yeah, I- I'm sorry. It- Huge tangent. Let's get back to Charmed. All right. So in the alley. I, I feel like we kind of didn't mention the Banshee's whole deal. The Banshee finds people with broken hearts, and it feeds off of their pain by screaming in their face and absorbing the pain until they die. Yes. Which is why it was after the old man who's, uh, whose wife died, and now it's after this teenage girl who has run away from home, uh, presumably after breaking up with a boyfriend or whatever. Well, I don't think it has to be romantic pain. Oh, that's weird. I kind of assumed it was, but I guess not. But yeah, the uh, the banshee goes after the teenage girl, and it's like, Aah! and the girl's face starts bleeding. But the prue dog tackles the banshee. It's like, and it just bam right into her. Yep, yep. And then Piper runs in and immediately pulls the girl to safety. I just want to say, and this might possibly be for premonition later, that we barely see that girl's face. We saw her in the black and white premonition. Here, the banshee's attacking her, so she has her face covered. And Piper immediately shepherds her away. And she was not a front-credited guest star. So, I just want you to know how little we see of this girl who uh, may or may not show up in premonitions. Hmm. That's a premonition about premonitions. Uh, so, the uh, the girls are all, like, f- punching the banshee and stuff. And Phoebe's like, Piper! blow her up and you know piper does the thing but she misses because this is still early and the banshee's like oh i didn't realize you have a finisher move i'm 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 out and she flies off it's a little hokey but i i like that the banshee travels through like jumping yeah and prue chases after her prue in dog form chases after the banshee and immediately gets hit by a car now, I have to say, the guy who hits her with the car, mm-hmm. who by the, who is just credited as cute guy. He's very 90s McHandsome. Mm-hmm. And later on, he's going to be like, oh, I hate irresponsible dog owners who let their dog be off leash and, and therefore she gets hit by a car, et cetera, et cetera. And he's not wrong about that, about people who let their dogs run around off leash. But also, he was talking on his cell phone when he hit her, so... It was the early 2000s. We didn't know that that was bad when driving. No, but... 
this is gonna sound really weird but you know what this guy physically reminds me of what's that like if someone made a super sexy version of richard kind <clears throat> okay first of all i know richard kind is incredibly sexy richard kind is the super sexy version of richard kind um i don't see it but i love that you do well it's like how um kj appa i think the the guy who plays archie in riverdale uh-huh is like a younger sexier version of the guy who plays phil in modern family Okay, I can see that one. Yeah, that one's more of a clear line, but... Alright, alright. Not that the guy who plays Phil in Modern Family isn't sexy. <laughs> you remember that one episode where Cam gets, like, super into Phil when Phil, like, starts being really aggressive? Yes. <laughs> anyway, back at the manor, Piper and Phoebe realize they have to find Prue, and when they find Prue, they'll find the Banshee and yo scrying yes yes but first piper has to give phoebe a hard time about how the banshee zeroed in on her because she's in so much pain and maybe she shouldn't be fighting a banshee when she's like obviously so torn up about cole and she's like i am not torn up about cole and she runs up to the attic and she flips to the scrapbook page she made and then just starts crying well i mean she's flipping through the book and she ends up on the scrapbook page because it's the page that has pictures pasted to it yeah so that's gonna be the first page that it opens to from now on so i'm, I'm sure that it didn't but you know how they sell like the prop book of shadows yes i do and actually I love that Phoebe does this. So I actually looked at the prop book of shadows, like online, some people had scanned in pages and it's, pr it's printed. It's no, not. They yeah. Don't, they don't have it. Like I, I had this book about this group of kids that go on in like an adventure to the North pole to see Santa when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing that I thought was cool about it was that the kids letters to Santa were like, there were just, envelopes in the book that had the letters as separate things inside them which i thought was the coolest thing in the universe i'm like i bet they didn't do that for this charmed thing but it would be neat if they did i had a book about fairies that was like that mm. also i was online and i saw somebody selling a book that was um i think it was probably pride and prejudice mm -hmm. but they that's what they did all of the letters that show up in pride and prejudice were handwritten and in envelopes in the books where they go ah uh, that's cool yeah it was expensive which makes sense but it seemed like a cool thing to do so phoebe's crying over the pictures of colwyn uh-oh a bunch of neighborhood dogs start barking i hope you're not feeling heartbreak phoebe so Leo has orbed in downstairs and Piper's filling him in on what happened. And, you know, you mentioned that scrying is a thing. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't Leo also be able to just find her? Yeah. Yeah. She Even if she's a dog, she's still one of his charges. Right? Anyway, up in the attic, uh, the Banshee comes in and starts screaming at Phoebe. Okay, but see, the thing is, when a Banshee is drawing pain from a mortal person, it just kills them. But when she does it to a witch, then it's like a whole werewolf situation and the witch becomes another banshee. 
Ooh, that's pretty inconvenient because Piper runs upstairs and she does blow up the banshee, but uh-oh, too late. Because now there's another banshee and this time it's Phoebe. And it would be socially awkward to blow up Phoebe. Yup. So now Phoebe has turned into a banshee, which means that she has a gray dress and a Party City white wig. And her skin's very pale. Yes. And she's wearing a lot of lipstick now. So is this Phoebe's first transformation in the show? Ooh. Because she's been possessed. She got possessed by the woogie. But I don't think that counts. And she dressed as I Dream of Jeannie when she got the job as a hotel psychic, but I don't think that counts. No, no, that doesn't count. Huh, yeah, I think this is her first transformation. I do. Because we've had a few for, uh, Piper was the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm counting her being possessed by the, uh... By the Woogie? No, Piper n- never got possessed by the Woogie. By oh, that. I thought you were saying you were going to count Phoebe being possessed by the Woogie. No, no. When Piper got possessed by the coyote ugly spirit. Oh, God. I feel like that might count as a transformation, if only because it came with a costume change. Well, if you count that, then you should count Phoebe being possessed. You know what? I'm not counting it. It wasn't a full transformation. Although, really, Piper's thing shouldn't count because she was just a monster in that. She wasn't like a sexy wendigo yeah oh my god i just can't wait for when uh, phoebe gets transformed into a mermaid what happens it, it does it's it's a lot of a lot of scale pasties it's, for Alyssa milano it's actually very little amount of scale pasties <laughs> for Alyssa milano although at least it's in the episode for more than a little bit i recently rewatched the lady godiva episode which was basically sold on uh, Alyssa Milano is going to ride on a horse naked and it happens for like 15 seconds at the end of the episode. And also it's not a magic thing either. It's just her protesting a local coffee shop that won't let women breastfeed. Which I'm so excited to talk about that episode because. Ah. Dear listeners, dear listeners, I came downstairs and I saw Max watching the Lady Godiva episode of Charmed, and I was like, what are you doing to yourself on purpose? I'm actually really excited to talk about later Charmed when it just goes off the fucking rails. Well, we're getting there. I feel like, I feel like Prue's death is the moment that we abandon all pretense of this show being any kind of railed show. We haven't... I feel like it, it takes about a season for it to go full, this is just a fetish show now, this episode, they're nymphs, now they're goddesses, now they're mermaids, now they're Amazons, now, now they're, they're superheroes. Like, I don't know, is it weird to be excited to get to that part of the show where everything's just stupid all the time? No, I can't wait. Oh, anyway, Phoebe's a, Phoebe's a banshee now. And Leo's explaining what happened to Piper. And the show also gets a lot more tongue-in-cheek later. Like, they kind of point out more that it's a show. For example, in the Lady Godiva episode, there's a bit where Piper tells Lady Godiva to cover up because this is a family show. Like. Although, I mean, come on. Is it? (laughs) Well, it's like Baywatch, where there's the plausible deniability of it being a family show. 
where it's like, sure, it's 90% slow motion montages with scantily clad women running down the beach, but they intersperse it with Hobie having dumb kid adventures with his friends, which must be That makes like, it worse! Yeah, that must be kind of whiplashy for, you know, yeah. Chandler and Joey. Yep. So... We get a little bit of that here, though, the, like, tongue-in-cheek sort of winking at the fourth wall bit, where where Leo's explaining, oh, yeah, when when a, ban- a banshees all used to be witches, and, you know, when they scream at humans, it kills them, but when they scream at witches who have suffered heartbreak, they turn into more banshees. And Piper's like, couldn't you tell us all of the pertinent exposition at once instead of parceling it out? Yeah, this information would have been useful before we went chasing after it with our heartbroken sister honestly had they known this before and obviously there wouldn't have been an episode then but had they known this before it would have made the most sense to have phoebe be the dog yeah 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 so piper's having a little bit of a meltdown here because she's like look i am not the super witch i'm not the super powerful one like prue i'm not the proactive witch like phoebe was for the first two seasons where is this coming from you have the power to blow things up you just blew up a banshee with your mind i feel like this hands and her hands i feel like this is an artificially created conflict on one hand i kind of get it because piper's always been sort of the least willing to do witch stuff she's been the least into witch stuff mm-hmm. but also and, and and it works with her thing where you know honestly she was kind of the best at using her powers when she just had freezing we've seen her do the most complicated stuff with this one power that she's had like she can freeze individual people. She can freeze individual body parts and unfreeze individual body parts. She's pretty... She was, like... Honestly, I feel like she was the best at using her power. Mm-hmm. And now it has this sort of weird new dimension where she's sort of back to square one. And unlike the other two with their secondary powers, this is fucking up her primary power. Yeah, I guess. I like to think that in this moment, even though we don't see it, Piper has a monkey's paw in her pocket, and she's like, man, I wish I wasn't the middle sister. (sighs) Anyway, at the cute guy's house, the cute guy's like, oh, look at this beautiful dog. I'm just going to put you on my lap and stroke your head, and Prue Dog is like, okay, all right. I didn't know this was something I was into, but okay. (laughs) Oh, he's a good girl. He's a good girl. And, uh, in, in another part of the city, we see Phoebe stalking a woman who's, like, running around in a parking lot because she senses that someone is following her. But then she sees her boyfriend and she's like, hi, boyfriend! And Phoebe's like, god damn it, she's not sad. Isn't she psychically drawn to sad people? Well, no, see, the thing is, the woman thought that she was being stood up by her boyfriend. Oh. Because, you know, she sees her boyfriend and she runs into his arms and she's like, I thought you stood me up. And Phoebe's like, damn it. Because, as we find out, thanks to Leo parceling out information, if she kills someone and absorbs their sadness, then she will be a banshee forever. But maybe they can undo it if they get to her before that okay so that is actually a 
monster transformation trope, so I am totally cool with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not saying I have issues with that. I'm just saying that would have been a good thing to, you know, say earlier. And Piper's like, okay, so the reason she's sad is because of Cole. So if we summon Cole and have him apologize to her, then, like, she won't be a Banshee anymore. And Leo's like, what if, you know, he tries to kill you? And Piper's like, then I'll freeze him or blow him up, whatever. Or vanquish him. She has the vanquishing potion. Yeah. And Leo's like, I really feel like this is a bad idea. Like, Cole was a all three charmed ones level problem i don't feel like you should be taking him on yourself and she's like whatever i can handle it and he's like i just don't want you to die and she's like you're dead and he's like yeah but i'm the kind of dead where you can like walk around and have sex with people i mean based on grams and to a lesser extent patty i feel like piper will be too so and also then the elders will get off their ass about her needing to be the charmed one or one of the charmed ones. So, <laughs> I like how the How to Summon Balthazar page is several pages away from the Balthazar page. That's what I'm saying! Also, what other witch in the Hollowell line was summoning Balthazar? Or, no, wait, I guess they wrote this page and then it appeared in the book. Oh, yeah, the sisters must have written this page. Yeah, because... They're the ones who we, figured we, out we, how to summon we, him. Yeah, okay complaint retracted well i'm still complaining about the disorganization of this book other than maybe grams did do it so that they would find the banshee page anyway they summon balthazar and cole shows up and he's like you rang and i love him so much i and i'm i like that julian mcmahon is acting again because he was really phoning it in the past two episodes and this this episode he's back on his game he's like look i don't do good anymore i'm not the good guy like i tried it I couldn't hack it, so I'm just a demon now. I'm a demon all the time. And Piper's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, shut up. I know that you love Phoebe and you want to get her back or whatever, so why don't you help us not make her a banshee anymore? And Cole's like, no, I, I went to demon therapy. I, I don't do love anymore. I'm evil. I'm an evil guy. By the way, while they're having this conversation, this whole conversation, Leo's in the background like, vanquish him, Piper, vanquish him now! And then she's like, oh, fine. And she throws the vanquishing potion, and he's like, yeah, I'm immune to that now, so haha, joke's on you. I feel like making him more demon probably should have made him more susceptible to the vanquishing potion and not less, but whatever. Oh, see, I didn't think that was because he was more demon. I thought he just, because he knew about it, had a way to protect himself against it. Uh, well, I, I... He did talk about that with the alchemist, that the process he was going through with the alchemist would make him immune to the potion that they made they oh. do mention that oh yeah that doesn't make any sense you're right he should be more susceptible to it as he becomes more demonic but i mean they did mention it that you know whatever <laughs> cole uh cole's the one person to think to go to like a demon doctor and be like hey can you make me invulnerable to potions that are specifically made to kill me right this is why he's the most legitimate threat the Charmed Ones ever face. So, Prue, because she hates Cole, comes running in as a dog and is like, bark, 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 bark. And then we see things start to shatter and the glass starts to shatter. And then, awesomely, Piper goes, Phoebe's home. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Phoebe bursts in through the window and she starts attacking Cole because 
Guess who has a broken heart? Oh, he does love her. Because the alchemist told him that, that he couldn't extinguish the whole spark. Yeah, and to quote the Tin Woodsman, now I know I have a heart because it's breaking. Aww. But yeah, Phoebe jumps in through the window and instead of using her scream on calls, she basically starts trying to scratch his eyes out and he just shimmers away with her. Yep. Yep. Anyway, so now they have to find her again. <laughs> now they have to find her again and Leo, come on. I, I, I guess being, being turned into a banshee means that you can't sense your charges. I guess. Although she hasn't gone full banshee until she kills someone. So he should still be able to sense the part of her that's human. Also, is Cole human enough that killing Cole would be make her a banshee forever? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, the whole point is that there's a spark that isn't quite extinguished. But is it de minimis or not? So... So Piper and Leo are arguing about how they should try to find uh, Phoebe and Cole. And Prue's like, <laughs> and Piper's like, oh my God, Prue, shut up. And Leo takes our advice way too late in the episode. And he's like, maybe you should try scrying. And then Prue runs over and bites him in the leg and starts like dragging them both to the door. And Piper's like, oh, right. The reason Prue's a dog in the first place. Okay. But... Let me tell you where she leads them. Where the, the super, super mysterious place that they never would have found where Phoebe and Cole are. They're in his crypt, in the mausoleum, where they always are. The only other set that exists. Yeah. Why wouldn't you check there first? Leo can teleport. It would take like a second. Right? But... Phoebe and Cole are, or the Banshee and Balthazar are locked in, you know, they're, they're rolling on the floor, deathmatch, shoving each other and Cole starts choking her. And then he's like, please don't make me kill you. And she like power shoves him off. And he says, Phoebe, I love you. Which remember demons can't say. And then she like screams in agony and transforms back into Phoebe. But the facial expression Melissa Milano has when she turns back into Phoebe, she has, like, mean girl judging you face. Oh, my God, no. I saw it. I read it as heartbroken. She's like... <laughs> this is translating really well to a, a, an audio medium. But as Piper, Leo, and Prue, dog, are running to the mausoleum, Leo, you can teleport. Uh, yeah, but he can't bring them with him, so... He may as Why well run not? with them. He's not allowed to. He when the few times that he's brought Piper with him, it's been like by special dispensation of the elders. He's not supposed to bring them with him. Oh god, that goes so far out the window later. Yeah, I know. But uh as their mid run, Prue turns back into uh Prue. Prue turns back into Prue and they're like, Okay, so does this mean Phoebe's back to normal or does this mean Cole killed her? Yep. One or the other. Anyway, well, they're outside the mausoleum. Phoebe and Cole are having their moment where Cole's like, I killed a witch. I can never come back from that. I guess I have to go be a demon now. Even though I was possessed. And Phoebe's like, what? And he's like, it doesn't matter. And she's like, I mean, it completely changes the context of what happened if you were possessed. I mean, he was tricked. 
Yeah, I don't get why he says he's possessed here when that's not at all what we saw last episode. I, the last episodes, like... I think he means just that he was, like, influenced, but not magically influenced. That's not what happened. Whatever. Last episode sucked. Who cares? <laughs> True. He shouldn't have even been there. He wasn't even supposed to be there today. So... He's like, I, I regret it. It's my biggest regret ever. I, I wish I could undo what I did, but I can't. And that means we can't be together. And Phoebe's like, I mean, no. I mean, he could just propose to her, make her Mrs. Evil Demon. Or a hot take here. They could retry the power stripping thing. Yeah, yeah. I, uh... Anyway, he, like, he, like, strokes her cheek and he's like, I can't change that I killed a witch or that I will always love you. I, I, I will always love you. Yeah. So, back outside, Prue's like, so I got hit by a car and then, like, felt up by a super hot guy and uh, now I'm a human again. So, there we go. She's like, I definitely prefer being a human to being a dog, and I definitely am going to enjoy the next several decades of being a human I in this human body. I sure enjoy life being alive as a living, breathing, alive human person who's not in any way dead. Yup. Oh, we're going to lose one of her most beloved running gags, that Prue dies. <laughs> it's going to go out the window pretty soon, or if you prefer... <laughs> through the wall it's so dark <laughs> even for us that was a really dark joke also phoebe and cole's relationship is pardon the pun in limbo mm-hmm. but yes they're really obviously gonna hook back up by the end of the season that was also a terrible pun yes so we close out the episode at p3 where piper's talking about how expensive it's going to be to fix the windows which it definitely is and, I mean, God, I never thought I would say, where's Xander Harris when you need him, but they really need, like, a handyman contractor friend. I know, I know, I know Leo was a handyman, but what's he handy about? Nothing. So, Phoebe, uh, as, as Prue goes off to go hit on the guy who hit her with his car when she was a dog. How is she even going to start that conversation? What, what, uh, whatever. We never see him again, but oh my God. Okay, go ahead. So Phoebe is like, hey, Piper, I want to thank you for calling Cole because I think I made a mistake giving up on him so fast and I think I want to try to make it work. And Piper's like, really? Really? I mean, really? Piper's like, that's not what I meant at all. And then Phoebe's like, yeah, well, I'm going to go see if, you know, Cole wants to doink the evil out of him. And Piper just kind of turns away from Phoebe and then, you know, she looks off into the, you know. Middle distance. Except she's looking more towards the floor. So the floor distance is like, oh, I can't believe Phoebe's going to doink Cole. This is going to be very socially awkward considering I tried to kill him. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's going to be socially awkward because she's married to an angel. Now Phoebe's going to marry a demon. And it's just 
Thanksgiving is just going to be a whole mess. I think it's weird they kind of shifted the sister who has issues with cold from Prue to Piper. Because that really feels like it should have stayed a Prue thing, but whatever. I mean, I know. Yeah. But it feels like we completely lose that when we switch over and have Paige, because Paige is the one who has issues with Cole. Yeah. Huh. Which is weird, because she's not even one of the witches he tried to kill. Huh. Whatever. So, this, I, I know we talked around it, and we talked about, we went off on so many tangents, but I genuinely really like this episode. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I just remembered this episode as the one where Prue turns into a dog, and I expected it to be really, really bad, but it wasn't. It was, it was good. Yeah, it was a it genuinely was good episode of Charmed. Good, actually. Yeah. What's even happening? I know, right? Oh, so next week's episode will be the season finale. It is All Hell Breaks Loose. And the description on Peacock is, The sisters try to turn back time and undo their exposure as witches on television. Okay, so I know that Reality Bites is... Morality Bites. Oh, God, Morality Bites. I know that it's kind of famously the best episode of charmed a lot of people a lot of people say that it is the best episode of charmed i mean that's true but i hate it i mean i hate it it's it's not the best episode of charmed sorry continue but i really feel like the season three finale of charmed is kind of the zenith i feel like the season three finale granted it has been some time since i've seen honestly a lot of charmed wait you think that the the finale that we have coming up is the low point? No, the zenith. Oh, the zenith. The pinnacle. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I think it is, if not the best, then one of the best episodes of Charmed. Granted, it has been quite some time since I've seen it. But honestly, I feel like it is one of the one of the best episodes of Charmed. And I'm really hoping that my memory is correct on that. I, I'm remembering it as a good episode, too, so... Fingers crossed. Because I, I also remembered liking the episode that had the familiar, they had to, the evil familiar, they had to kill nine times, and then we watched that, and it was a shit show, so. <laughs> but, no, I, I remember this being, like, one of the best episodes of Charmed, one of the peaks. Mm-hmm. So, shall we do our segments? Yes, much like the Charmed ones, we have our own power of three. The first power in our pack is Premonition. Who in this episode is, was, or will become famous? Oh my god. Embarrassment of riches, Max. Embarrassment of riches. Okay, first of all, the cute guy. Yes. Who is only credited as cute guy. Yes. I. It bothered me so much because he was instantly recognizable and I could not place him, you know, from where. So the actor's name is Matt Pataglia. Mm-hmm. He's been in a shit ton of stuff, but I think the reason he was instantly recognizable to us is because we've watched Friends too many times, mm-hmm. and he is the sensitive firefighter that Phoebe dates when she is dating the two guys at once, the firefighter and the teacher. Yes. The sexy teacher and the sensitive firefighter. Yep. Now, the inspector who was not Daryl, because Daryl was off filming Baywatch Nights, I guess, mm-hmm. was played by Joe Itata, and he, again, has been in a ton of stuff, but the thing that I think is most relevant for us is that he plays Nat, the owner of the Peach Pit, in Beverly Hills 90210. 
with Shannon Doherty. Oh. Yeah. Huh. It was just a weird coincidence. Yeah. But the one that I feel like is the most important that we talk about, not even credited in the front, the teen runaway that is saved from the Banshee was played by one Ashley Tisdale, otherwise known as Sharpay from High School Musical. Bonkers. That is a bonkers thing. I would Wait, never how, have recognized her. How old was she in High School Musical? When did, Wait, when did High School Musical come out? Hang on. I have a tiny computer in my hand. High School Musical was 2006. Okay, so, okay. So, that would be like five years after this? Six years after this? Yeah, five or six years after this. So, was she 11 here? No, so she was born in 85. This is this was in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. so she was. She 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 was sixteen here, and then she's in her twenties when she was in High School Musical. Yeah, that tracks for me. Okay. Huh. I felt like they were actually teenagers, but I guess it's also been some time since I've seen High School Musical. I was not one of those people, but my I had a friend who was into the series, so I saw the first and second one with her. Well, I was a little too old for High School Musical, and it, it just, it fell in whatever the opposite of a sweet spot is for me, mm. because I was not old enough to realize that Disney original movies were awesome, actually, but I was not young enough to be watching it to be the target audience. But I did watch it because it was such a cultural phenomenon, and I got so angry as a theater kid because... Ryan and Pace song was way better because Ryan and Sharpay are there after school every day doing the hard work. And then these two, like, popular kids just swoop in and get the leads? Fuck them! Hey, Gabrielle they wasn't They didn't pay po- their dues! Gabrielle wasn't popular. She was a science girl who did nerd stuff. And that's why she couldn't date Zach Efron. Because he was a jock man who did jock things and that's also why his dad wouldn't let him perform in a musical because then his i don't know basketball arms would fall off or something seriously as a theater kid i'm like these two assholes come in with no respect for the craft and just push out ryan and sharpay not okay not okay at all justice for ryan and sharpay what's our second segment our second segment is Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? Uh, so, the Who Let the Dogs Out references. Oh my god. That that was a that was a very timely phenomenon. I wish only good things for the Baja men. I, I keep seeing very bad readings of this song. Because... A lot of people are like, oh, it's a song about, you know, them dissing ugly women in a club. And I'm like, that's blatantly not what the song is about. The song is about men harassing women in a club. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The dogs are the men who are harassing the women. It's textually stated in the song. I feel like I want to say that Phoebe's scrapbooking was a time freeze, but I don't think it is because I think that that's still a thing we do. Scrapbooking never fell out of fashion. Yeah. And so I guess that just leaves our last segment uh yes our last segment telekinesis what if anything genuinely moved you this episode okay i was legit genuinely moved by phoebe and cole's final confrontation in the mausoleum yeah 
I mean, he loves her, but he has done something that he understands to be unforgivable. She is in so much pain because she loves him and she wants him to be redeemable, but she fears that he might not be. Yeah. Moved me. I was moved. There's a reason the Phoebe Cole relationship is one of the strongest storylines in Charmed. Even when it's, like, it's it's got a lot of low points and it goes on for a really, really way too long time. But when it hits, it hits. Mm-hmm. And it hit in this episode. It's weird that we have all of this really good Cole Phoebe stuff, you know, in the Fallout episode and not the episode. I mean, this episode was directly focused on them, but... Well, I mean, as we said at the time, those two episodes, the demon who came in from the coal... <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to do that. The demon who came in from the cold and exit strategy should have been one episode. And that, that episode made should it... have not sucked. Well, it, it would have been stronger had it only been one episode. A lot of the stuff that didn't make a lot of sense wouldn't have happened because they wouldn't have been essentially stalling for time. Yeah. I mean, uh, exit strategy is basically just the demon who came in from the cold again. They uh, basically just used the same exact script. Exit strategy is just... Oh, hey, we didn't bring Cole back at the end of the demon who came in from the cold. What are we going to do about that? So, yeah. I believe that'll about do it for this week. I think that's going to do it. Our show is listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. You can also find us on Twitter at I Love TV Zines or email us at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Hollowell Manor.